now here we go. Hello and welcome to Parents Just Don't Understand. I'm your host, Kurt Schiller, and tonight we are finally, finally getting around to a topic that we've been wanting to cover for a long time, and it's especially timely right now, and that is the depiction of police in children's shows. And tonight we're joined by a very special guest who I've actually wanted to have on the show for for a bit now. Um, He's a journalist, a contributing editor at McLean's Magazine, a frequent podcaster, and a father, and that is Andre Demise. Andre, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Totally. Um, so I've I've wanted to get you on the show for a bit, uh, but the thing that really cemented it for me was there was an article that I'm not sure where it was originally published. I saw it on Today's Parent um, called Eight Weeks In, I'm Having a Lot of Anxiety About Childhood. And I thought it was super excellent. <laughs> I like had really- anxiety eight weeks into my, ch- uh, my, my children's development. And that was two years ago. All right. Yeah. So if you can imagine how the anxiety has ratcheted it up since then, I am in a constant state of existential despair these days. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, so, so we have, we have two kids, we have a four-year-old and a one-year-old and um, I remember, so my, our, our older daughter was born in early 2016. um, And I remember joking uh, about like, well, I'm I'm glad that you know she's going to get a couple of months of of living in the normal world before before you know they make America great again. Like being like super flippant about it, and then I remember just like you know I'm 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 not one of those people who is like feels that it that was the end of the world. The world has been broken for a long time in a lot of different ways. Um, but it was definitely a shock that I was not expecting, and having young kids like totally like put me over the moon on that. I feel I feel like. Oh, massively political or social change is hard isn't harder to grapple with as a parent there's something about being a parent right now that makes you want to find francis fukuyama and just kick his ass <laughs> eat shit you loser <laughs> yeah it's like it's like you you had one job um yeah and and yet you still you still somehow have a job despite like you made you made one big prediction and you got it wrong one pronouncement one pronounced well then again he did he did kind of you know go back on what he said like he did say well yeah i was i totally fucking called that one wrong so <laughs> i i guess that was to save himself the ass kicking but it's an on-site thing for him and me yeah seriously yeah. um yeah it's, it's like it's like it's a it's a the fact that the world is constantly in flux um is such a strange thing like and i feel like the past few months um, you know, for anyone listening to this later in the future, we are now, I don't know, two and a half months into quarantine. Um, and th- this is the, the the big one. I feel like that it has such a massive impact on like the parenting infrastructure. So like our daycare has been closed and it completely changed what our parenting life. infrastructure. We had like the shambling ruins of the parenting infrastructure that our parents built and then subsequently like tried their absolute best to destroy. So what we have, we're kind of like walking around in like the post-apocalyptia of like parental care. Not not to say that, I mean, we, we do have it okay, I think, relatively speaking. But then when our relative is relative to like the United States, that is kind of shitty. Uh, I'm, I'm in Ontario. I don't, I don't know uh, where it is that you're located. But I think about like, I don't want to say like how much better Quebec has it, but just how much more emphasis they place on the importance of family and the like... The, just the common sense belief that if you're able to get help taking care of your children, then you can generally be more be more productive. Like, I remember um, I ran a you know, political campaign years and years ago, and one of the constant refrains I heard from people when I was door-to-door canvassing was it was more expensive for people to put their children into childcare than getting a job. So they were they were forced to stay home. And if you can't leave your house and get out and work and be around people, it's not just a matter of, you know, our our um, income is low and it causes more stress, but also, like, there's a sense of pride in work that people generally have, and it's denying them that. So when your bureaucratic hurdle to being able to go out and be a productive member of society is so large that you are financially forced to stay home... That's when you know our system sucks. 
Yeah, it's and it has such staggering rollover effects into other things. Um, so like, my hey, don't worry about uh, don't worry about the door. If you hear the doorbell ringing, that's my that's my children ringing the doorbell as they come inside. <laughs> we, we can't come indoors without ringing that doorbell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there are our one year old is napping right now. Thankfully, she she still naps. Um, our four year old is it's it's funny. It took her about a month and a half before she was like, I really want to go back to school, mommy and daddy. And we were like, Oh well uh sorry about that it'll happen eventually what we can do there yeah 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 it's like i feel you there kid i definitely feel you. <laughs> um yeah so like my day job is uh in 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 or i should say adjacent to healthcare. um and and i've written a lot in that capacity about like social determinants of health and one of them is being able to get daycare like if you can't get daycare you can't go to a doctor's appointment um, and if you can't go to a doctor's appointment, you can't get better with whatever you know condition or diseases you are trying to manage. Oh, yeah, and you're just it's white knuckling your way. Yeah, you're just white knuckling your way through your healthcare, which is, I mean, the worst possible approach. But you're absolutely right. I mean, I think about the fact that if we're not able to switch off constantly or have a family member or friends come over and help us watch the girls, then our like our attention to ourselves completely deteriorates. Like you could come over here after two solid weeks of just us watching the, and we're practically feral. We're just, you walk into the house and there's like, there's, there's vines creeping up the wall. <laughs> <laughs> my, my dog is in the basement, just like chewing on some un, unidentified animal. Like, yeah, it's just, we, we revert to a feral state. Yeah, it's it's we are in exactly the same scenario. Like we have made and unmade and broken so many like cardboard box forts that there's just like pieces of cardboard <laughs> screwed around the house everywhere. Yeah, exactly. The the, uh, the blanket forts. Yeah, we we got that too. And then um, my uh, my partner she she has this thing that she calls moon sand, which is where she'll get like flour and water and food dye. And then the kids play around in that. And then occasionally, like she, when she takes them upstairs for a nap, she's also got like, cause she's in school, I'm in school. And because we've just got so much going on right now, she'll go upstairs and she'll forget. And there will just be like, just like hardened, just imagine like hardened, but once moist flour on the play mat. It's just, <laughs> I go, up, I go, I go into the living room. I'm like, what the hell just happened in here? I, it, but it's, it's whatever you get used to it. Yeah, I, I I mean you you yours are your kids are are both uh the twins, right? And they're 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 two. Yeah. They're twins, they're they're two years old. And I gotta say their muscular development at the age of two like I, I wondered if one of them might have like myostatin deficiency. I don't know if you've heard of that, where like there's a um gosh, is it a protein or I don't know, it's it's something in your body that's called myostatin. I have like almost no knowledge of biology whatsoever, so please forgive me here. But uh the lack of it causes your muscles to overdevelop. And at times I've wondered I've wondered if one of them has that deficiency because she is so strong and she like her her muscles <laughs> she's jacked. She's freaking jacked. Like she's in <laughs> way better shape than me. And I don't just mean like in terms of aesthetics. I mean, this child can climb into a, just like, cause the, the cribs are, oh my gosh, I forget the, the brand of it, but it's these, 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 the really sturdy wooden cribs and they're tall too. And if she wants to be in the crib with her sister, she will, have you ever seen somebody climb a palm tree? Not by wrapping their arms and legs around it, but by wrap, like by pressing their heels against it and then wrapping just their oh, yeah. around the tree and then climbing straight up. Yeah. She'll do that in the crib and then climb <laughs> and, the and hang out with her sister. I'm like, how do you, I, I just, I, I, I could never do that as a child. So the one thing I want to see happen is for her, I, I just want her to pick up a tennis racket and see how it feels. Just, just hold it. Back <laughs> in maybe just maybe toss the ball into the air and sweat at one time. Just see if it's comfortable for you, because if it is, we've got a long future ahead of us. <laughs> <laughs> so far for us, it's, it's just been soccer. Um, has been yeah. the, the 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 big thing, which is great because they run around and it's really funny to watch like little kids play soccer because they basically just run and kick the ball randomly. But but um, so I mean I could talk about parenting forever. Um, I I I'm super excited to have you on to talk about this particular topic. Um, because oh I mean, shoot, yeah, we're gonna talk about stuff besides talking about our kids. Oh damn! <laughs> no, no, it's it's totally cool. Something I always say is like being a parent is like having like a weird, expensive hobby. Because when you meet someone else with that hobby, it's like it's all you talk about. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have like this model of crib? No, no, no. I got I got you know last year's model. It's a little bit different. It was it, it, it was twice as much, but man, it's <laughs> worth it. Yeah, I know. And then all your children's hobbies become your hobbies too. So you take them into pride in like whatever it is they take an interest in. Yeah, I, I got that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, so I 
I, I almost feel like I got scooped a little bit uh, on this topic because this is something that um, my wife and I, who who often co-host the podcast with me, not tonight. She is she is, um, you know, God, God bless her. She's watching our four year old presently. Um, we've been struggling with uh, Paw Patrol for a while. Um, and I, I feel like, uh, it's, it's been something we've been wanting to talk about, not just Paw Patrol, but police in kids shows in general. Um, and it's super timely right now. And I'm, I'm excited to see like more mainstream, uh, outlets mm -hmm. investigating it. There was a New York times article by Amanda Hess that, that talked a little bit about it that I thought was, uh, was pretty good. Did, did you read that at all? Don't, uh, read cultural stuff i no, no, it's, it, no it's, I, I read i just i just don't have um enough time to read cultural stuff so when i read the news it's generally not think pieces it's mostly just like hard news stuff so i i miss a lot of articles but i am interested to see this one and, and I, I will say that you know good on you you ran into the problematic aspects because i i'm i'm running into the same thing with peppa pig obviously not for the, the cop again well no there are cops on there's peppa a little pig. bit yeah there's a little bit of that yeah yeah i remember there was um one episode where I think it was Peppa that was asking like what a policeman does. Her father says, "Well, Peppa, a policeman is somebody who helps people in the community." And I was like, "Bullshit, Daddy Pig, get out of here! Why do so your daughter like that?" I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because it's it's the perfect transition. Um, because I mean that that I think is one of the two big problematized ways that uh, police are depicted in in kids shows. So, so we we kind of picked out beforehand, I guess, like four different representations of police in uh, in kids programming. Um, there is obviously Paw Patrol um, has been. I, I think this this has come up multiple times. Um, people have jokingly talked about it. I think people are are talking about it a little bit more seriously now. Um, there's uh, the the late '80s show Cops, which is unrelated to the TV show of the same name. It, it's basically like GI Joe, but with police officers. Oh no, it's like the primer for that show, though. Like the kids' uh, cop show from back in like the '80s and is it the '90s that it went into? I think it was just the '80s. Yeah, but it was, it was a total, it was like, it was it was like a total primer for the for, yeah for the primetime cop show to make you think that all they do is like chase bad guys all day and solve solve mysteries and prevent crime and you like you didn't see bp vest like dragging a suspect into a cell shackling them the, them there and then calling like long arm to beat their ass for half an hour with a with a telephone book like you didn't see none of that so it was it was really and especially like during the um 80s and the 90s when i mean police brutality existed but it just wasn't recorded like there was it was difficult to demonstrate what kind of brutality people were facing i think the rodney king recording was what introduced america to just how awful and how brutal and violent the police could be so and when i was a, a little kid in the 80s like this just it didn't cross my mind whatsoever that there was anything bad about the police so i think it's it's interesting that they both have the same name because one is definitely a primer for the other yeah, and I'm I'm glad that you mentioned um, the the Rodney King beating because I I feel like as a result of that um, it it really doesn't seem like there was much structural change at all, but there was a lot of PR change that that came out. It seems like uh, around around policing after that, and there was this big emphasis on trying to convey like, oh, we're using technology to adopt a more humane police force, and I remember. Um, and it's it's funny comparing this to the way that like technology is depicted being used in like Cops and Brave Star, which is one of the other uh, shows that that you mentioned, um, where it's like, oh, I remember when tasers were supposed to be this really great thing. Like, oh, now it's 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 totally non-lethal. You know, cops don't need to shoot people anymore. They can just you know harmlessly take them in. And obviously, in the years since then, we've seen that you know tasers are can be every bit as much an implement of abuse and 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 torture as a gun. So it's interesting to compare that to the way that. Like and death. Cops. I mean, people. Yeah, people yeah. have been tasted death. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's funny because like when I was watching the, the the cops cartoon, the thing that jumped out at me is they have all this gear and all these guns all over their vehicles. I mean, it's it's based on a toy line, so of course, but they never point them at people. They just kind of like shoot ar around stuff. I, yeah. they, they never point the gun at at a person. They just kind of like oh no, in a cool way. Like what'll happen? I forget the name of Big Boss's nephew, but uh, when he was it Berserker or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So he'll like run away from the police, and then like 
uh, Barricade would, like, fire a missile at the concrete in front of him so that, like, as he's running away on a bridge or something, the missile would, like, hit the bridge and he would fall down the hole or something like that. Like, it would it would be uh, inanimate objects that were the object of violent force and not the people themselves. And I think, um, I don't know if that had anything to do with the Parents Television Council because that was the same on a lot of other TV shows. I think the only show where you really saw like direct violence was probably transformers and those were robots fighting but even the he-man like if you go back and you watch the he-man shows you'll notice that he-man doesn't actually enact violence against anybody like he doesn't actually hit skeletor or any other like human or humanoid character he'll like take a rock and throw it at a robot or something and the robot will blow up but you don't actually see that people against people or humanoid against humanoid violence on those shows right and it's 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 interesting how like they they clearly have the capacity for violence like they're demonstrating in in a in a cool way it's intended to be like a positive thing like oh look at all this gear they have this her you know heroic swords and heroic guns and laser cannons um but they're such good people and they care so much that they'll you know they would never actually use it and the other thing that jumped out at me is um in in the episode of cops that, that I watched I I grew up watching this show as you know as well um they the first thing that they do when they get to like the crime scene where where the bad guys are is they 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 come out and start talking to them and they have this this like back and forth like like negotiation which is the opposite of what would happen in real life yeah yeah, yeah. it's uh it, it, the idea that they inculcate children with as to and i think this is why some people have a very hard time understanding what it is that um black communities indigenous communities latino communities what it is that they deal with when they uh come into contact with police is because they've been raised on this idea that police are basically like public safety servants. Like what they do is keep communities safe and their interactions are, as you say, a negotiation and not necessarily an interrogation or an outright violent conflict. So it, it's like, I can understand how somebody would have a hard time comprehending what it is that black people are saying. Although granted, like if people are saying to you, yeah, they're, they're actually like killing us. Why do you need to be convinced? But it, it does create an additional barrier to understanding, or at least to communication, when everything that you've been fed for your entire life has told you something completely different about, and also the ways that you've interacted with police yourself, you know, getting pulled over for speeding and let off with a warning. Uh, maybe you're like smoking marijuana with a friend. When you have those experiences and that comports with what it is that the media tells you? I can understand how it might be a bit of a shock to just see the outright gore and brutality. Um, that's what happens when there's uh, violent conflict with, between police and marginalized communities. Yeah, and the the other thing is, I I feel like you know, cops was on in the late '80s, um, and I I feel like the the superhero cop um depiction really started getting emphasized in like the mid the mid 70s and then really got escalated in the 80s um I, a lot of uh i've i've known a few people who became police officers and they wind up thinking of themselves this way like they themselves are informed in the way that they perceive their own role as if they are these superheroes who are under siege by by the baddies i, I always laugh when you hear like police spokespeople talk about bad guys because um, it really makes it sound like like a cartoon. You also have to consider what it is that causes or that, that creates that depiction. Like, what is cultural milieu? You have people that are returning from Vietnam. You have the, uh, the war on drugs and the, the broader war on crime from the, the Nixon administration. You're seeing urban decay, uh, excuse me, urban decay and urban rot. So the, the more that people are coming into contact with marginalized communities, with communities of color, et cetera, as you're experiencing that urban rot, but also as people are falling away from, you know, the, the, the mid fifties through late sixties lifestyle, where they were able to keep themselves at an equitable distance away from those communities that began to experience that rot. When they come to very close contact, that's when you feel like the state needs to intervene and do something because you've lived your entire life away from people like these, away from communities like these. And, and all of a sudden now, you know, now that the economy is re receding, now that you're having to take a shitty blue collar job or that your blue collar job that already existed is cutting back on hours, laying people off, et cetera, that there's, a, a, I guess, like a, a cohabitation, like a, like a geographic cohabitation with people that previously segregation kept you away from. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I think that 
the rise of the super cop, the uh, the uh, the death wish cop, and uh, the um, uh, Beretta, the oh my gosh, what was Clinty's or Dirty Harry? Like Harry, yeah, 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 yeah. Like all all of that comes into the culture milieu at the same time that uh, like demographics within the American body politic become smashed together and interacting in ways I've never had to before. It's it's such a weird space to navigate because um, like as a parent, because like on the one hand, um, I I feel like for for a long time, we just took the approach of like, we're just going to act like the police don't exist and we're just like not going to talk about them. Um, and now our four-year-old is like aware enough of the world that she can, she, you know, she's, she's acquiring knowledge ap- apart from us. And so we're trying to equip her with, you know, a, a worldview that can account for the tensions that you are describing and, and account for the fact that, you know, not, not everybody has the privilege that we do. Some people have significantly more, some people have significantly less. There are forces in society that are designed to be hostile to some of these people. Um, and it's, it's tough to navigate because like everywhere you go, it feels, and I, I'm, I'm super interested how, how, how you navigate this as a parent, but it feels like everywhere you go, like there's a certain extent to which you cannot control the, the enculturing of your, of, of a child with some of this like outright propaganda about who the bad guys in society are and who the good guys are. My children are young enough that these aren't things that I have to explain just yet. Uh, they are information sponges. They repeat almost everything that we say, so we have to be very careful about what we say in the, around them. But uh, they're not at the point cognitively where we have to explain what a police officer is. They're they're only at the point where you, you turn on a TV show, and I think they're understanding that people are saying words and what they mean in a context. But I think they're relying more on the contextual cues than they are on the understanding of language to piece together a narrative. So they love Peppa Pig. I don't really know that they understand what's happening on Peppa Pig. They they see like as a matter of fact, it's another one of those problematic shows that I think I'm just gonna like not play around them or just like stop stopping it on because like some of the weird things that kids do on that show, like they try to get what they want, they want temper tantrum, mm-hmm. etc. So it's like then, then you see them imitate the crying, you see them imitate like the the child like sticking out their tongue and spluttering like. I'm like ah crap now now I'm trying to feed them lunch and all they're doing is with food in their mouth. So I. I <laughs> I can't have that show on anymore. Thanks a lot, but I, I don't have to. I don't have to explain why it's problematic that Peppa Pig is talking about Daddy Pig's fat tummy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, so luckily, I'm not there yet. But there's going to come a point where I, I cannot control everything that they see and that they consume. And when they get there, I hope I will have. I mean, a the responsibility and to the patients to explain these things in ways that their young minds can actually understand. Um, I don't want to have, I, I don't want to have to talk with my kids, but I'm going to have to at some point, you know? So that's, uh, that when you talk about the, uh, article that I wrote, you know, eight weeks in and I'm having anxieties about raising my children or about, uh, about my children in the world is like, yeah, shit. None of that went away. <laughs> if it, it's, it's become massively amplified because now the, now the, the veil is being torn away and we're seeing the world for what it is. And there's just no way to shield children from that. And then the question that follows is, well, should you shield children from that? I don't know the answer to that yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's something I think that parents just have to constantly navigate. And it's I would say, you know, as a parent, like we all have a responsibility to to navigate that. And I I feel like in you know earlier generations of parenting, it was something that was that was not thought of, or at least you know what at least you know, my, my experience as a white guy, that, that was, that was my experience. Like it was not really thought of to the same extent, like, like, what are we teaching kids about, about society? It was very like, well, we want to teach them that certain things are bad and certain things are good, but so much of it was the same, like mass culture perception of what was good and bad. Um, like the, the episode of Brave Star that we briefly chatted about is like an anti-drug PSA and there I remember there was so much like anti-drug stuff when I was a kid every cartoon had the very special episode the very special anti-drug episode it was so as a matter of fact I will say that like I didn't know anything about drugs until it was introduced to the concept by these shows my family I come from a Jamaican background I I don't know that anybody in the family even really did drugs like I I I didn't come up because you know we're we're like rural people and like out in the Jamaican countryside, like it's a completely different story than you'll find in um, like urban Jamaica. So there wasn't a 
culture uh, that where you went out, it was even acceptable to do drugs. It wasn't even that acceptable to drink alcohol to excess. So it's just not something that was ever around me as a child. Uh, I only found out about it because all these TV shows were telling me why I shouldn't do drugs. And I started thinking to myself, wow, <laughs> what if I did? <laughs> is is there what did did you have any interaction with a program like 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 Dare growing up? Uh, I, when I was like really young, I was I was in the U.S. I was, I was living in, in Florida, and they had a an officer uh, come out to our classrooms and explain why doing drugs is bad and why it's going to destroy your family, why it's going to put you on a wrong life track, and why you need to say no. Like we we had that. Uh, it, which is interesting because when I returned there in my teenage years, because I was there like as a teenager and a young adult, I, I got back to Canada just before, I think I came back in like 2001. But um, when I was uh, there as a teenager, it wasn't even drugs that they were emphasizing anymore. I think the culture of the drug war had by and large passed. Now it was sex. So mm. we... We had we had uh, like Christian camp counselors coming out to our school to explain to us the virtues of abstinence, which is, if you didn't know this, the only contraceptive method that's one hundred percent effective. <laughs> yeah, we so I I went to Catholic schools um, from the time that I was I don't know fifteen, sixteen or so until I, f- I finished high school, and so obviously you know much much the same uh, s- scenario. But but prior to that, yeah, they there we you know we we had we had Dare and and there was like I think his name was like Officer Doug and he came in with his his police dog and I remember the the day that everyone got really hyped up about it was when he brought in the like display case of like confiscated drugs and was like kids these are drugs. And we were like, whoa, those are, dr- wow. Like, are those real? Dr-? Like, that's, that's all that anybody wanted to talk about was like, what are they like? What's it like doing drugs? Like, are those, is that really what they look like? And yeah, to your point, like, I don't know that we would have known about it if they hadn't gone out of their way to like tell kids, be like, kids don't ever do this. I know I'm making it sound really cool. All these people and all these cartoons think it's really awesome, but don't do it. Don't believe them. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, as a child, there is a, you still have a belief to suspend or a disbelief to suspend. So when you watch these shows and in that very special Marshall Bravestar episode, this kid gets addicted to this drug called spin and he gets completely strung out and his, his, <laughs> his eyes are sunken and he's emaciated and shit. And he, I'm just like, how is he even, how is he even alive as a human being? He looks like he's dead but he's still he's still around and he wants this drug so badly he'll like do anything in his power his meager powers to to get his hand on this drug and this is ultimately what kills him and it didn't actually have an emotional impact on me like oh my gosh he died which is rarely ever happened in those shows what would normally happen is somebody gets addicted to drugs and then they find out like their friends and family are really disappointed in them and because they love their friends and family so much they get themselves off the drug and then whoever was selling it to them goes to jail or whatever but this was the only one that i remember where somebody actually died and i remember thinking to myself i'm like that was stupid (laughs) like i i even as uh i might have been like maybe eight or nine years old when i first saw that episode Or, or younger who knows but uh, I mean, to me, everything um, in the 1980s. I, I was eight when it happened. It doesn't matter if it, was, <laughs> if it was like if it was like 84 or 89. I was eight years old. But so I was I was really young when it, when I saw that episode. I remember thinking to myself, "This was stupid. Like this isn't. Come on, this is. There's. I, I think it was because I had family members that worked in social services. You know, I had family members that worked in like group homes and and those sort of venues mm-hmm. where they were around street kids like they were around uh teenage kids that that did use drugs i mean did i know that they were using drugs no, not exactly but i knew that they didn't have homes and they, they lived in this group home and this was often how how street kids were portrayed is that they were all strung out on drugs and that they mm-hmm. were trying to get other people hooked on drugs and i'm like but that doesn't sound like anybody that i know um doesn't yeah, the the free sample is is such a big thing in in yeah. all of these cartoons and that's so funny to me now like <laughs> yeah like so well first of all man if i could find somebody to like just give away free samples of drugs please let me know who they are <laughs> could you please hook me up with your plug no but um there's like it, it they the portrayal was also a class portrayal 
that there's a certain mm-hmm. class there's a certain class of people that you just you should ev- absolutely never be around and they it would often be portrayed as street kids and it would be this the the street kids that get the wholesome kids like the the middle class kids who live in the suburbs and they're they have a mom and dad at home and a white picket fence backyard and they have uh, a golden retriever named Rex and those were the ones that were in tremendous danger of falling into this drug culture uh, mm-hmm. it, they were they were often their protagonists and and their their arc was the one that was important and the only uh, factor the street kids played in it was being the uh, the the cool rebellious friend that uh, introduces them to this lifestyle and maybe maybe that's what it was maybe it was just because like I, I knew kids uh, and, and t- t- like to me at that age teenager didn't mean anything they were just all big people whether you're, you're a grown up. Mm-hmm. Whether you were like forty or if you were like sixteen, you were just big to me, right? You're just an adult. So uh, when I when I see grown up people being depicted one way in TV, and then I know that that's not how they are in real life, it it just clashed, and it didn't make any sense to me at all. And I thought, it, I, as a kid, I thought it was ridiculous. Yeah, one of the, the in, in terms of like stuff that clashes, the, one of the things that jumped out at me was um, kind of what what you were talking about, how like there, there's there's a class of people who are the drug user bad guys, um, and they are clearly like irredeemably cackling, mustache twirling evil, and then there's the innocence that they're preying upon, and in these shows, yeah. the police always try to like help and counsel the 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 innocence, like like the the users, and of course in in real life. They want to sit down next to them on their porch and put their arm around their shoulder and explain to them that their parents love them and sit in their throat. I'm just like, I mean, I, I, I hadn't at that age had contact with the police, so I couldn't see the lie in it. But now, just looking back, I'm like, that's just, like, where, where are the writers getting this bullshit? That's just not how police interact with people that are, are known to to be a substance users. It's just it like nothing in my in my life as an adult has ha, have I ever encountered that. So, and the thing with you know these these cartoon writers, I mean, they were just you know that they're all on cocaine. Like you just <laughs> you know that they themselves were doing plenty of drugs, right? So, like if you ever if you've ever watched like uh, Ren and Stimpy, like uh, drawn drawn Chris Lucy's cartoons, like dude was just like he just had to be doing like a Tony Montana pile of cocaine before drawing up. Oh, any- yeah. Yeah. So the idea that any of these uh, people that were producing these shows at that time, the idea that they didn't know what drug culture is like, and then they had to create a fictional drug culture on television to like deliver a wholesome message. Mm-hmm. I-, I wonder if in some way they made it so outrageously unbelievable because they themselves knew that they were full of shit. Yeah, it's especially like like you you mentioned um, one of the kids in the Brave Star episode dying, and the the way that that's handled is so like over the top absurd. It's like it's like a high school play level like line reads and, and, and oh, it was if you remember um, Saved by the Bell Jesse Spano's episode. Where oh he got, yeah, you got hooked on speed. The I'm so excited. If you thought that shit was over the top, I dare you to watch that Marshall Brave Star episode the very <laughs> I absolutely dare you to get through that with a straight face if you can do it like email me and I'll cash up I'll probably call you a liar but I'll cash up <laughs> <laughs> so I I think that um in in the Brave Star episode I think that one of the th- one of the points that they that they try to convey is oh if you had if you had snitched sooner and better you might have saved your friend is like it's your fault that he died because you were reticent to like sell out your friend so there's definitely like also an aspect of like not just like trust the police but like unequivocally like don't try to protect anybody just just tell everything that you know it's the it's the best way going forward it'll just snitch help on snitch on everybody just yeah exactly <laughs> pick up the phone and just like just just run down the checklist of everything you know don't just talk about like you know your older brother that might be on the drugs but tell the police who all your older brother's friends are and and tell them like where they go to school and what route they use to get home and what they do in their spare time just tell just tell them everything i remember i don't do you remember the show zusha no oh my gosh zusha was um it was a Brazilian kids variety show host who then got big in North America, and she had a, a like a North American English language TV show for a hot minute. Um, 
was part of my teenage awakening, I will say, because uh, Zusha was mad fun. But there was something. <laughs> there was so, there was a very strange episode that she actually it wasn't even an episode. It was like it was something that was tacked onto the end of an episode. You know how in some of these uh, kids' TV shows, uh, they'll sign off by giving them like a a safety message, like mm-hmm. you know, don't cook if your parents aren't home, or like if your dad's asleep. In the middle of the day, just let him sleep. Uh, no, they'd never, <laughs> yeah, they, would, they would never say that. Are you kidding me? There's nothing that children hate worse than, than their parents sleeping. Um, but, but there was, I remember there was uh, one thing she did at the end of her, at the end of her, uh, her show. It was a sign off. And it was, just, she was the strangest thing to me. I might've been 13 or yeah, probably like 12 or 13 when I, when I saw this originally, which would have placed it in like the, the early nineties. But she said, if you're, Oh, if you're worried or you're afraid and you don't know what to do, pick up the phone. And I was like, is she? Is there a helpline for children who are afraid and don't know what to do? And she finishes by saying, and call 911. And I was like, <laughs> you can't just tell kids if they're experiencing anxiety. Just call 911. Are you kidding me? First of all, I mean, way to like put your parents on the children's aid radar. And second, if like an ambulance or a fire truck or something shows up, your parents are getting charged for that. I was I was surprised that they didn't get sued for that piece of advice. But yeah, there was a, just a very strange um, relationship that children's TV had with law enforcement in such a way that, I mean, it's, it's one thing to say that you can rely on police to protect your safety. It's something completely different when it's almost like you're incorporating or you're like inculcating children into becoming your your little stool pigeons you know what i mean yeah and um the the other thing is uh so in the episode of cops that i watched was called the 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 case of the half pint hero and it's about like a little girl who imagines that she is a superhero and like wants to help the police and and of course it it ends with her learning that you know well you should leave the the real crime fighting to the professionals um what's what's that character's name uh bulletproof vest i think is his name um, you know, with like the, was the chief of the police. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. Uh, okay. I don't know if you, do you, you remember global TV back in the day? Um, mm-hmm. the, the station announcer who would like, uh, like, you know, when you used to have commercials at that time, they didn't just run clips of an episode. You had an announcer that said on the very next episode of oh, yeah, yeah. in the heat of the night. So the, the guy that was, uh, BP or bulletproofs. Uh, voice actor was also the station announcer for global tv so it was and it, i recognized him as a child so it was just very jarring to watch him do very serious on the next episode of unsolved mysteries i'm like but that's the most serious voice you can't, you can't even this seriously are you kidding me this is much this is my childhood hero and you want to you you think that i'm going to act seriously as a station announcer you got a fight you got a heart <laughs> even as a kid i understood this yeah the- and but then they would they would make him do all of this they, like not just for evening TV but like for the entire day. So they would have him announcing like on the next episode of Tiny Toons. I'm like, don't make him do that with his voice. <laughs> You're trying to make me take him seriously in the evening, and then in the daytime you're making him do goofy shit. What's wrong with you? Yeah, the the, the as, as like a total aside, like the idea that there are actors and that they might play different roles like blew my mind as a little kid. And I I, I remember that for me it was. It was uh, Harrison Ford being both Han Solo and Indiana Jones and struggling to grasp like, but wait, like he's not in space, but it's the same guy. I know okay, it's the same but, guy. But he was doing, I mean, he's more or less doing the same thing as Indiana Jones as he is with Han. So, I mean, Indiana right. Jones is just Han Solo ported over to our world. Like, eat shit that he he's a he's a he's a uh, archaeology professor or whatever he <laughs> he's not a professor get out of here he is uh he's a rogue right like i i i understand indiana jones to be just the rogue character in uh, sorry Hans, uh listen to me calling him indiana jones harrison <laughs> ford to be the rogue character in whichever like, film or tv product he's in or whatsoever so it's like it's the same person like that didn't really that didn't mess me up so much as just hearing, because it wasn't even seeing people play different roles. Like Bob Hoskins in um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Bob Hoskins in his more adult roles in the 1980s didn't throw me off. It was just hearing somebody's voice 
like be the voice of like children's TV, but also trying to be the voice of something that adults are supposed to take seriously, that messed with me. So so I want to kind of wrap up the 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 cops Brave Star discussion by by asking you like do you think that there is a responsible way to kind of depict police in a show like this for kids or is it is it something that you feel like just just, leave, just, just leave, if you're kids. not if you're not ready to have the conversation like you know it's it's the same thing with drugs if you're going to infantilize children with the drugs conversation then just don't have the conversation like there's 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 no reason to because the thing is what what happens when you grow out of that phase where they try to scare the sorry am i supposed to be able to swear on your show i didn't even ask you that question yeah no no this is for grown-ups not for the kids okay all right it's very strange we're talking about kids and i well i mean i guess (laughs) this is this is how i talk to my friends about my kids but uh yeah it's, it's it's very strange growing up that you know, uh, early on, they try to they try to scare the piss out of you by showing you how drugs will break your family up and make you lose everything that you love and kill you. And then you hit your teenage and young adult years and you try drugs and you're like, but these are actually kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> you smoke weed for the first time or you drop acid for the first time. And it's, wow, this actually isn't bad. You like microdose for the first time as an adult. And you're like, this is possibly even beneficial like because they uh because they can't have any kind of nuanced conversation especially with kids but also because they don't trust i think people enough like they don't trust society enough that parents can have productive conversations with their children about drugs and alcohol they try to intervene in the process like they they tried to step in in that process to make the agents of the government happy, right? To to make Barbara Bush happy, uh, that they were going to play the role of the parent and introduce children to that conversation long before they were even ready for it. So I think in the very same vein with drugs, and I'm, I'm glad you brought this up, this is also where if you can't have nuanced conversations about police and your only answer is, oh my gosh, it must be, it must be feeding time because one of them is absolutely miserable. <laughs> you hear them in the background? Yeah, yeah, a, oh, a little feeding, bit. Feeding time is always like, especially in the evenings, because they're like tired and cranky. It's yeah, it's the worst. But um, yeah, if you if you can't have nuanced conversations about police, then just don't introduce police into your TV show. Like, how how much contact do people generally have with police in their day to day anyway? Right. Hopefully, yeah. I'm, I mean, it depends who you well. are. Yeah, well, the thing is, depending on, like, which class strata you occupy, it can be a fairly regular thing, or it can be a very rare thing. It it really all depends. But if you're going for a broad audience, and you want to have conversations about very important or very urgent matters in society, then you owe it to your audience to be truthful. And if you can't manage that, then maybe the conversation just isn't for you. And like I say, because people who've been growing up on these depictions of police have such a hard time comporting mm-hmm. what they see with what they believe they know, then you have the resistance to the mere idea that the police might not be an essential force for good. Because you have this dichotomy that there's such a thing in the world as good or evil and that people fall along these lines like they're like characters from a D&D stat sheet and not <laughs> and not beings with their own motivations for doing things if if you're not able to view the world through that lens or you're not interested in having children view the world through the lens of nuance rather than just plain old good and evil then you're not responsible enough to have that conversation and you should probably just keep it out of your show and frankly i think that parents who have any interest in raising their children to understand what it is that black people, that indigenous people, that Latino people, that visibly Muslim people, whatever it is that they go through that you probably will have no way of understanding if it can't be explained to you through a New York Times article or a Toronto Star article, if it can't be explained to you on the nightly news can't be explained to you on social media, then how do you think that 
cartoon producers would be able to explain that to your children. Like you have grown adults with a complete lack of ability to explain this to other grown adults. How do you think that grown adults who have, and like I say, how often do these people have, or how often do people normally have interactions with the police? Again, it depends on what uh, class strategy that you occupy. But we know that because of the lack of diversity in the media sphere altogether, there are probably not very many people that would have had those kinds of interactions. So how are we trusting them to be able to explain things to your children that they've never experienced themselves? Yeah, damn. Yes. Yeah, completely. I com I completely agree. And um, just thinking about like the when I was watching the cops episode, I, the, the thought occurred to me that like if if I were foolish enough to sit my four year old down and watch this, the amount of damage that I would have to undo to to explain things to her like in a more accurate way would would be like absolutely phenomenal. Like it's it's so hard. You you mentioned kids as being like information sponges earlier, and it's it's totally true. And it's so hard to get them to unlearn something once they have acquired like a an incorrect or like harmful oh, idea. It's, let me tell you something. Possible. When I okay, when I see them in their high chairs, and they have a habit of when they're finished with something, they don't want it to be on their high chair anymore. So they will wait for you, like they'll hand, like they'll hand it out to you, and if you're not over there quickly enough, you'll take the thing away from them that they're finished with. They'll just toss it on the floor. <laughs> and I've tried to teach, like, don't do that. Don't just throw it on the floor. Say here, please. And they'll do it anyway. And one day, uh, one of my daughters just like tossed a plate on the floor, and I was like, oh come on. And then now, now, anytime I drop, if I'm walking with something. Or I'm trying to handle something and I drop it. She'll go, "Oh come on!" I'm like, "No, you can't use it on me that way. That's not how that works. No, no, no you can't do that." And so it, it's just incredibly difficult to get her to learn. Oh come on! I've just given up. I'm like, you know what? It's, it's fine. I deserve it. I deserved it because I lost my patience and I said, "Oh come on!" And now you're using <laughs> it back on me. Turnabout is fair play. You win this one. Okay. Now I can't even unteach my daughter that when I make a mistake that she goes oh come on like she's, she's not my little judge walking around behind me just like watching for perfection okay if i can't unteach her that then how can you unteach actual propaganda to your children you explain that one to me yeah yeah it's it's hard enough to unteach adults and they they in theory have the capacity to unlearn things so um well i mean i i think I think you covered it uh, expertly there. Um, I, you know, I, I was expecting to talk more about uh, about Paw Patrol, but honestly, every, like what what you said about about not infantilizing things, like Paw Patrol was really just in, like infantilizing it in the other direction, where it just it acts like all police do is help cats and kittens out of trees. Um, and I, I think everything that you said applies to that. Paw Patrol's raising a generation of snitches. All right, get your get your kids off that show. A bunch of snitches and CIA people. I don't want to see. I don't want to see nobody's kids watching that TV. If you if you are letting your kids watch that TV show, I think you're the feds. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, okay. let, let me ask you this as a closing question: Are there are, uh, to, to, totally off the hip? Um, are there are there any shows uh, that that you think are especially good? N not having anything to do with policing or 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 authority just what what shows do you think are actually beneficial that you maybe enjoy with your kids if any it's i don't really watch a lot of tv shows with my kids um i i used to watch uh teen titans go because they just really liked the the flashiness and the colors and everything like it's just a very it's a very hyperactive like sugar-filled tv show but um now i think i am a little bit uncomfortable with them watching the action scene so i've, I've eased off of mm -hmm. Like it was something to occupy them with when they were just like dazzled by the flashy colors and and now it's like oh they actually understand these as characters that are fighting with each other well I don't really want to like introduce them to to, to fighting uh, so I I've, I've eased them out of Teen Titans Go I actually don't watch a lot of TV with them uh, they they'll watch Frozen they'll watch Moana um, they mm. oh my gosh they can't get enough of the movie Moana but as for like serialized TV shows I don't um, we we watch a lot of educational shows there's uh, there's this YouTube based show and i'm pretty sure it comes out of ghana called akili and me and oh, yeah. it teaches kids like their abcs it teaches them counting it teaches them a whole lot of different concepts 
matter of fact, like they they ended up getting like their knowing the parts of their body, like their eyes, their near their their nose, their mouth, their toes, all that, but also ABCs, their numbers. I mean, they obviously didn't get it from Achille, you know, my partner and I sit down with them with flashcards and have like the little um, letter blocks and all that stuff that we, we teach them with. We have a, like the entire alphabet twice over on our fridge and every time that they go near the fridge and they grab a letter, we're like, what is that? And, and now they just know the letter off the cuff. So, you know, we've, we've done a lot of work that way, but when I, when I sit down and watch something with them, it's usually educational. I, I don't watch a lot of kids tv with them and it probably will stay that way i'm even i gotta say i'm even uncomfortable with sesame street in some ways you know there's just, there's something that you'll find in almost every tv show it's like uh, mm, i don't really know if i want my child watching that and i hope i'm not going to become one of those parents that's just like nope you're not allowed to watch this this or this because i remember when i was young i wasn't allowed to watch the simpsons and it was just the bane of my existence because like the simpsons was so cool why can't i watch the simpsons you know, I want to watch the simpsons more so i don't want to be the kind of parent that bans their children from watching things but i hope that as they grow into media culture that i can help them discern things better but you know what there's a lot of adults that require a hell of a lot more discernment than they're exercising so who knows well i think that's a great note to end on um andre thanks so much for coming on the show it's it's been awesome we uh we uh, this is this is uh, exactly the conversation that i was hoping to have uh about this topic so thanks thanks for helping us uh explore it uh, where can people find more of your work out there? I know you are super prolific and doing a bunch of different things all simultaneously. So, yeah, um, well, I should probably do less things simultaneously. Uh, <laughs> it, would, it would help me sleep more than three and a half hours a night. Uh, but uh, I mean, catch me on Twitter. I'm usually around, although I'm going to be spending less time on there because I've got like writing, writing to do. Uh, so I am a contributing editor with McLean's magazine. So if you go to McLean's.ca, you will find my writing there. Um, and you might find me on Twitter also if you go to at Andre Demise and D-R-A-Y-D-O-M-I-S-E. And I've got some projects that are coming down the pipeline. I'm not ready to announce them yet, but when I do, I will be sure to let you know. Awesome. But we will be sure to boost them when they come out. Um, but uh, thanks again. It has been uh, an absolute blast. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to Parents Just Don't Understand. Have a good one. Cheers. Cheers. It's crime fighting time.